Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good to see you all. Good morning, everyone. Online and in person, it is a blast to be gathered with you. Hey, kids, if you are here in person right now, this is when you want to move to your classes. We got a lot of fun activities, all centered around love that you can participate in here today. And those kids tuning online, if you go to centennialroad.com, right here on the homepage, you can click on the Sea Road Kids Watch Now button, and you too can participate with some of your friends that are here in person and learn along together. It's such a privilege to be connected both in person and online, and we are glad that you're here. It's a brand new month, and that means it's a brand new series. We're diving into this series called The Big Three. We're going to be talking about love. We're going to be talking about sex. We're going to be talking about happiness, all three things that everybody wants to talk about all the time, right? Okay, nobody does. That's okay. We're still going to talk about it. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this. We're going to look at it from a biblical perspective. Here's why we're doing this series. These are three of the biggest cultural pursuits that exist in our world today. Conversations are centered around love, they're centered around sex, they're centered around happiness. Money's weaved into there, and sometimes all three of those elements and pursuits. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this from a biblical perspective, dive in together and see what we can learn about what love is, what sex is, and what happiness is. What does it mean for us if we're trying to love and live like Jesus, as followers of Jesus, if we happen to call that of ourselves, if that's a piece of our identity here today. I was reminded of one of the stories that Jesus taught as a foundation kind of for this series and where we're going to dive in. It's the story of construction. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. I want to highlight this for us and just talk about the why behind this series, the why we're going to use the Bible as our foundation for this conversation. Chapter 7, verse 24, it reads like this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. In our world today, we all need to be anchored to something. We need to be anchored to something. And unfortunately, when we anchor ourselves in our cultural nuances, what happens is the definitions change all the time. It's like shifting sand. It's like living through a pandemic. Everything is changing all of the time. Rules, regulations, definitions, what you can do, what you can't do. What does it mean for you individually? What's permissible? What isn't permissible? All those things are shifting. But when we build our foundation on what is true and what is absolute, not something that's subjective or relative, that's a solid foundation from which to build our lives. As a follower of Jesus, I happen to believe that that is the Bible. The Bible is the foundation on which we can build. We can, it stands the test of time. We can flourish from that foundation even when it's hard. That's the why behind this series, and we're going to dive into this, and we believe as we understand or regain or reclaim a biblical understanding of what it means to love as a follower of Jesus, what it means to, uh, 
talk about sex and enjoy sex as a follower of Jesus and what it means to be happy as a follower of Jesus, we believe if we fine-tune all of those things, we will flourish and it will benefit all of the relationships that we happen to engage in with our neighbors, our friends, our family members, if we happen to be married or dating, you name it. That's the why behind the series. We're starting with love. We've sung about love. We've worshiped God. We've been overwhelmed by remembering all of the loving acts or some of them that Jesus did for us by giving his life up for us so that you and I could live not only here, flourish here on earth, but have the opportunity to embrace life to the full in eternity in unbroken relationship with our creator one day. We're starting with love because I happen to believe that love is one of the most overused and misconstrued words in the English language. I can say this to you today. I love my family. I can also say this to you today. I love eating pulled pork. I mean two very different things in those statements, yet the word remains the same. The English language is a wonderful gift in so many ways, but in this particular slice, it falls short. There's only one word that we have for love. It's love. The Bible was written predominantly in two main languages, biblical Hebrew, which is like the the first two-thirds, what we refer to as the Old Testament. It's written in that language, And and the New Testament is predominantly written in Greek, Greek was like the the trading language of the day, the common language of the day, and much of the New Testament is written in that context with that language. And the English translations that we have today are from those original languages, which is a fascinating process that we don't have time to unpack here together this morning. Why I point that out is because did you know there are five words in the Greek language contained in the Bible that refer to love? Five, not one, five. On the screen in just a moment, you're going to see a definition listing of all five of them. We're going to walk through this and we're going to have a little bit of fun together. So Alan's put that up. Thank you very much. The first is this, eris. It's erotic love, love of beauty, eris. This is where we get our English term of erotic or erotica. It's all about sexuality and pleasure and that kind of stuff. Then there's philia. Now, If there's any Greek scholars in here and I'm mispronouncing the words, have a little grace for me, okay? There's philia, which is friendly love. It's love between equals, seeing each other as equals, not lesser than or greater than, but equals, kind of that friendship type of love. Then there's storge, the familial love, the empathetic love, identifying with people as they walk through their pain, their challenges, their family of origin, all that stuff. Then there's felucia, self-love. Self-love, and we've heard a lot about that through the pandemic, right? How do we take care of ourselves, make sure that we're doing good on our own, our mental health, our well-being? It's a prominent flavor in our culture. And then there is agape, agape love, unconditional altruistic love, unconditional altruistic love. If I were to ask you this question and I need you to yell it out at me or type it in your chat of choice, YouTube or Facebook, or if you yell loud enough at your screen, we just might hear you, okay? What do you think of all these loves, which one do you think our culture values the most? Go ahead, yell it out at me. 
I love hearing a variety of different ideas. So I heard an heiress. Who, who said heiress? Come on, claim it. Nobody's putting their hand up now. They're like, I did not say that. I'm not thinking about sex right now. Who said Felucia? All right. Who said Storge? Anybody say Storge? It's interesting, hey? This one I'm not going to ask you to say out loud, but I want you to think about it on a personal level. Which one of these is most important to you right now? Which one of these is most important to you right now? The one that's occupying your thoughts. The one that's occupying your emotions. Your practices even. The Bible tells us that you and I have been created out of one of these loves. We've been created out of agape. Unconditional, altruistic love. You know what that means? We are loved just for being us. We are loved just for being us. Now that's a radical concept because that's completely countercultural. We are loved in our culture for what we are able to produce or provide. If we align with somebody's political viewpoints, we are all of a sudden embraced as a friend. If we are not aligned with those political viewpoints, we are rejected as a friend. See, God looks down at us and he sees all of the things that we have done, we are doing and will do in the future. And despite all of the things that at times lead us away from him, he still loves us unconditionally. Jesus offered his life for us, knowing that some of us would turn our backs on him, walk away from him, not embrace the gift that he offers, which is life to the full right here and now, and life to the eternal one day. That's unconditional, altruistic love. What if I were to say to you that despite our best efforts to keep it submerged, that's the kind of love that all of us crave? In every single relationship that we have, that's what we crave. We crave it. And the reality is this. You and I don't deserve it. But we are worthy of it. We don't deserve it, but we are worthy of it. God sees us and says, you are worthy of my love. I will give everything to pursue a relational connection with you. Agape. Unconditional. Altruistic. Here's why that idea is so revolutionary. In our culture and in our world today, if we base our definition and our understanding and our experience of what love is on what we are told it should or shouldn't be, then you and I are stepping in and out of love all of the time. If you think about heiress, heiress love, man, our culture is bombarded and saturated. We're overstimulated with sexuality. Maybe you've heard this line before, sex sells. It is true. When people, when marketing agencies are putting together propaganda and branding, they're looking for attractive individuals to be their brand managers, their ambassadors, so that you and I will buy their product because what we see with our eyes is pleasing. Sure, I'll buy another cookbook. I don't need them and I don't use them, but man, they look good. So let me buy that cookbook. 
That's the trick behind the marketing reality. Philia love, friendly love, love between equals. We talked about that in our culture. So much of the movements today that are around that are trying to create equality between different genders, different socioeconomic statuses, and all of those things are rooted in this idea of pursuing love, which is good. That's a good idea. You've got storge, family love, empathetic love. We crave this when we don't get this from our family of origin. It's challenging for us to trust people in the future, to develop relational contacts and friendships, willingness to even put ourselves out there for people to get to know us. Self-love. Man, how many self-help books have you heard of in your lifetime? Ways to improve yourself. The one-minute manager, do these five things. Intermittent fasting, whatever it might be, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there designed to help you improve the way that you love yourself. But in our culture today, agape doesn't exist. All the expressions of love in our culture today are contextual and they're conditional. If you do this, you will receive this. If you do this, you will receive this. This is why... I'm convinced that there's so many breakdowns when it comes to to marriage in our world today. Whether you know Jesus or don't know Jesus, it's because we embrace this idea that love is transactional in nature. It's conditional. We feel like we can upgrade, you know, like we upgrade our vehicles. We're like, man, I'm driving a 2018. It's got 27,000 kilometers on it. But man, that 2022, man, that that looks real good. If I exchange this one, I can upgrade it, drive something newer, better, faster, amazing. Our culture tells us in your relationships, when things get hard, don't worry about it. Just walk away, start a new one because you deserve it. The Bible speaks something different speaks the agape language. The unconditional love that you and I are wired to crave comes from only one source, Jesus. Jesus. And when we understand that and we deeply root it into our lives, our minds, our hearts set, you know what happens? It allows us to be expressed in all of the other four ways that the Greek language describes for us. When we are loved by God, when we understand that, when we embrace that as our identity, when we allow it to submerge us, to immerse us, to saturate our very lives, it allows us to love our family. It allows us to love ourselves. It allows us to love our equals. It even allows us to appreciate the beauty in this world. And if you're wondering what it does with sexuality, Tune in to part two. But it's all rooted in agape. Without agape, there is no love. Without agape, there is no love. See, agape is who God is. God is love. God is agape. And because of that, You and I, even though we are undeserving, we are seen 
as worthy to receive that kind of love. That's the difference when we build our lives on a solid bedrock foundation. You might find yourself doing something you never thought you would be doing. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus and you're like, man, I'm, I'm living with somebody I'm not married with, married to, or I am cheating on my taxes, or I've told a billion lies in 24 minutes, or whatever it is, and yet guess, guess what? God's orientation to you, his perspective to you is still one of love. We can't outrun his love. We can't diminish his love. We can't eradicate his love. We can't contextualize away his love. We can't politicize away his love. His love is what sustains the whole world. Everything was born and created out of agape. And because of that, you and I have the opportunity to live life to the real, to the full, even to the countercultural at times. That's something we can stand on, we can take to the bank. When we make a mistake, we know it's not ever broken. It's not beyond repair. It can be restored and renewed. It doesn't give us license to walk around and do whatever we want in our relationships. It doesn't give you license to treat the people that you care about in a disingenuous way. It should give you passion. It should give you excitement. It should give you inspiration to know that even in your imperfect nature, Jesus can love through you into the lives of people. See, I happen to know that a lot of us, whether we're in it right now or will experience it in the future or have in the most recent past, have experienced tension in some relationship that we have with our family, our friends, our neighbors, maybe even our spouse or our children or our grandchildren. And we're wondering how we can ever bridge the gap through that tension. Whatever could happen to make it possible that we would reconnect again and the only thing that will lead us forward is agape. See, if we follow Jesus into the lives of people, we will be given insight in how to love and care and support, build a foundation that's not easily shaken or stirred or messed up or cracked or anything like that. We will be able to stand firm right on that bedrock as if we are in the middle of the St. Lawrence on a massive rock and the storms and the waves are coming and we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We will not be stirred beyond repair. But the challenge is our culture marries love with fear. If I don't do this, I'm going to lose this. If I don't participate in this, somebody won't see me. If I don't get married by the time I'm 23, maybe I never will. If we don't have kids right away, I don't know what's going to happen. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the Bible says, Jesus' invitation, God says to us, you can stand on my agape. You can trust my agape. Because in my love, you are made whole. You are set free 
you are worthy. You might be thinking to yourself, okay, Jason, that sounds really good. I've heard some of that before. Some of it's a little bit new. What does it actually look like? If you've got a Bible with you and you've been following along, I want to invite you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 4 is what we're going to read. If you don't have a Bible with you and you want one, come talk to myself or one of our staff or volunteers today. We'd love to gift you with a Bible. Or you can go onto your mobile device and download a Bible reading app, version. Some of you have done that, and you could follow along on all of our sermon notes on every single week if you just go to the more section from the home screen and events and see Road Live pops up. This is agape, and as I read this, let this wash over you. Because this is what is defined. This is the practical pieces that we can look for when we consider what agape is in our own lives. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. See, when you think about love and you think about agape, you think about the way that you and I love, and then you read something like this, you, you understand that without Jesus living in us and through us, this is not possible. Love is patient. I'm not patient. I don't know about you. I'm not patient. I had to wait in line the other day for 12 minutes. Do you believe that? My goodness. And it was just for tea. Love is kind. I confess to you there are times where I have not been kind. I'm not being kind in my head. I haven't been kind in my heart. Whether that's to myself or other people. I can't do this on my own. But when Jesus lives in me and through me, guess what? I find that I'm patient and I'm kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I'm 0 for 4 on that one. It does not demand its own way. Just ask my kids. They will say that's not true. It is not irritable. Mm. Maybe after your caffeine. It keeps no record of being wronged. Okay, like that one. Yeah, I don't do that. You've ever had a conversation with somebody and they bring up something three years ago? That's called a keeping a record of being wronged. Love doesn't do that. Agape love doesn't do that. When we stand before Jesus, when we've confessed what we've done, he doesn't bring up stuff that we've been freed from 20 years ago. Not like our culture, not like we as human beings do. God doesn't do that. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. There is a massive celebration anytime anyone steps into truth in the heavenly realms, and there should be anytime we see it play out here on earth from those who follow Jesus. Love never gives up. 
The only thing that I can say that I do when it comes to that is I still cheer for the Maple Leafs. But sometimes I want to give up because it's hard. There's a weird family member that I don't want to like or love. There's definitely a neighbor or two. You know what I'm saying? It never loses faith. That's a hard one for me. Because sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's agape. That's agape. It's what it is. And you and I are incapable of this kind of love without Jesus. We're incapable of it. We can spend our lives pursuing all sorts of expressions of love. We can chase money. We can chase women or men, whatever our flavor is. We can chase happiness. We can chase validity. We can chase all of these things. What we are craving is agape. Unconditional love. And we need it every day. We need it every moment. We will never be able to get enough of it. And the beautiful thing is the love of God never runs out ever it never runs out that's what love is that's the foundation you and I can stand firm on my question to you is this where is agape in your life today or where is it missing from your life today It's a big deal for us to experience agape. Because when we do, we will, get, we will be provided with everything that we need to stand firm in the moment. No matter how grievous or challenging the circumstances might be. No matter if we are experiencing or receiving hatred Instead of love, we will be able to stand firmly rooted in that love. Look, parenting is hard. Grandparenting is hard. Being a, a spouse is hard. Being a sibling is hard. Being a coworker is very difficult. Being a neighbor is a challenge. But if in all of those environments, if you and I are saturated with the love of God, with the agape love, we will be able to stand firm, to flourish, to live free in those spaces despite what restrictions are or aren't in place externally in our lives. Freedom is found in agape. We can live from that space. We can breathe from that space. We can flourish from that space. So as we start this new month, this new series, my hope and my prayer is that agape would run deep in your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to invite you, if that's something that you need to receive in a fresh way 
right here today, online or in person, I'm going to invite you to stand. If you need this agape to radiate through your presence, through your lives, through your mind, through your heart, I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to be praying specifically for you. Don't worry, nobody's going to take a roster of what names of people are standing or not standing. This is about you and this is about Jesus. I'm already standing, otherwise I would be standing because I need this agape. I've got two teenagers in my house. I need agape. I had two teenagers. I had a 10-year-old. I had a 6-year-old. I got a 5-year-old. They need agape for me because I'm not easy to live with. We need agape. So even at home, at work, wherever you are, if this is what you are craving here today, if you want to embrace the reality of agape, stand up and let me pray for you. Father, I confess that there are times where we just don't understand the immensity and the value of love. We don't understand it. We've lost sight of its depth, its meaning, its purpose. We've lost sight in how it can be infused in every facet of our lives and allow us to experience life to the full, not to the easy, not to the empty, not to the worry-free, but life to the full in you. Father, here today with all of the women and men and children of all ages, teenagers, young adults, grandparents, great-grandparents, at home or here in person, wherever we happen to be, those of us that are desiring to experience this agape love in a real new and fresh way, Jesus, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would descend upon us right now. We need this agape, Father. We don't deserve it, but we are worthy of it. And because you have called us and declared us worthy, because you have made us worthy by your death and your resurrection on the cross, Jesus, we are able to be agape ambassadors into all the relational webs and networks that we happen to venture into. So Jesus, we're going to pray some big things in this next few moments. I'm going to be praying for restored marriages. Father, in some of us, there have been great canyon-like, great Grand Canyon-like experiences that have bubbled up during this pandemic. Would you turn the eyes and hearts of wives and husbands towards one another once again? Because of your agape, we can't love each other completely unless you are rooted in it. Would you be able to do that for estranged family members, Father? I know that's a burden for so many of us family members that have removed themselves from relational contact in some way, in some capacity with the rest of us, would you bring back what was lost? For those of us that are craving, they're like, man, this agape, I just want to find somebody who will love me, who will date me, who will maybe eventually marry me. I, I just want to find that. Would you allow those individuals to be so overwhelmed and saturated by your love that they would not look to other elements in their life to fulfill what you and you alone can fulfill in our lives?
It's an absolute privilege to have relationships as human beings. And Jesus, we confess that we need you to live and breathe and move and work in us in all of those relational networks because without you, there is no agape. There is no love. Father, each of us carry burdens and heartaches and hopes and dreams and all of those things would your agape infuse a steadfastness a willingness and an insatiable desire to pursue you in all ways and in all things. Father, help us not to lose faith when things get hard and tough, but instead choose you. Choose to stand on your agape and live from that space. Would you bless us, Father? Would you protect us? Would you make your face shine upon us, be gracious to us? Would you grant us your favor and your peace? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.